this morning, uh, by the way, with the uh, Cambodia stuff, if you can't get out to Warner for our missions trip, uh, just chat to Pastor Nikki. Um, she uh, is sick today, uh, which is not good, um, but God willing, she'll be back with us uh, next weekend. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you can't get out there on the 14th of August uh, to the interest of me, you're like, oh, I'd love to get more info about that. Though. Just chat to Pastor Nikki any Sunday uh, that she's here, and, uh, or give her a call and uh, just get some more information that way. And uh, I know she will also put all the info up in the hub as well. Anyways, let me get into it this morning. I've entitled my message, uh, not reach, I've entitled it, The Empty Chair. The Empty Chair. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who we are to you. God, this morning, I pray as we open up your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would minister to us. Jesus, stir our heart, change us. Lord, help us to be who you have called us to be, I pray. Lord, inspire us this morning, I pray. Lord, inspire us with your word, inspire us with who we are in you. And Lord, all that you have for us to do. God, I pray that we would not walk out the same this morning. Lord, that something would shift in our lives. God, that you would shift something out if it shouldn't be there. Or Lord, if there is something that's at the, the background and it needs to be the front, I ask you shift it forward. Lord, do what you need to do in us today. Lord, to continue the discipleship. Lord, to continue the good work that you are doing in our lives. Lord, individually as families. Lord, as the family this morning. Lord, let there be a shifting towards you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, let me ask you a couple of questions. Where would you be without Jesus? Just think about that. Let it sit on you. Where would you be without Jesus? What could your life look like without Jesus? He's so good, isn't he? God is so, so good. God is so, so good. We're, uh, we're going to read from Matthew chapter 9 in a moment, but uh, the chairs here are, yes, empty, as my title says. What do you see when you see this chair? Black chair? Church chair? What do you see? What, what is this... What, what, do you, what do you see when you see this chair, this one? What do you see when you see an empty chair? What do you see when you look at this? Does it, does it look like nothing? It's like, yeah, Pastor Joe, they're our church chairs, and uh, they should be padded. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Why are they black, Pastor Joe? What's going on? Come on. Like, they're good chairs. I like these chairs, actually. <laughs> what, do you, what do you see? What do you see when you look at this chair? What... What feelings are invoked right now when you're looking at this, this empty chair? Are, are feelings even invoked or is it just a chair? Is it just something on stage? It's, uh, it's an interesting prop you're using this morning for your illustration. Joe, what's going on? These empty chairs, there's plenty of them. There's some around you. Some empty chairs next to you. There's also stacks of empty chairs over there. And uh, I'm sure there was... Who, who had an empty chair in their car this morning? Yeah. I had uh, three usable and two unusable in the boot. There was stuff all over them. I had five empty chairs in my car this morning. What about, what about when you look at a chair, a chair in church? What about if we could see it as an opportunity? What if when we looked at an empty chair, 
What if it did something within us every time we saw an empty chair? What if when we saw an empty chair when we walked in, we saw opportunity, we saw a potential person sitting on that empty chair, a friend, maybe a family member, a brother, a sister, mother, a child, a colleague, a boss, the checkout chick? What if we saw potential when we saw an empty chair? Let me start Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. This is the harvest that Jesus is talking about. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields. You can just imagine Jesus walking around. I oh, mean, I got stirred. I started crying when I saw Jesus on the cross from the from the, the clip that was up in the, the provision for the vision uh, launch video. I'm like, oh my gosh, like Jesus is awesome. Can you imagine I've been walking around with Jesus and in a moment he just turns to you and he just starts dropping a bomb like this on you? And he starts talking about the need for people to love one another, the need for people to see what is going on around them, to, to see their, their, their eyes opened, to see people the way Jesus sees them. And he turns to his disciples in a moment exactly like that and, and he says, look around. He personally was moved with compassion. And so he makes these statements and he turns to his disciples and he said, the harvest is great. Look And what he saw was he was looking at people around him, the people that just moved him with compassion. He's looking at them and he's seeing them as a harvest. And he said, but we need more workers. We need more people willing to work, to labor. We need more laborers, people willing to labor, to labor for Jesus, to work for Jesus, to work in the harvest. If there's a calling that you and I are all called with, a calling that every single human being is called with, it's the call to love one another, to love one another as ourselves, to love people around us. It's the Christian calling. It's the calling of the, of the human being to step into a relationship with God and to extend that love. And Jesus is saying we need people to labor, to work, because there is a great harvest. I want to give you some statistics this morning about our harvest, because there was a harvest that Jesus saw, and it's a different harvest to what you and I see. There's still people, but those people have come and gone. There are people living around us right now. They are our harvest. We have a harvest. We have fields that are ours. This is our harvest. A couple of years ago, 2009, 61.1% of Australia held to Christianity. In 2016, that dropped to 52.1%. And in 2021, our last census data from last year, it's dropped to 43.9%. This is a downward trend. This should hurt us. This should cause us to take the responsibility of being laborers, of workers in his harvest, seriously. 
From the late 70s to now, Christianity has dropped 22% in the world. Church attendance has gone down almost 50%. And no religion has gone up 270%. Contextually here, out of our 43.9%, only 15% goes to church at least once a month. You know the average age of Australia is 38 years old? The average age of human beings in Australia is 38 years old. The average of our church, not this church, the church in Australia, is 53. We've got to reach more people. We've got to to reach the harvest. We've got to see the fields. Your workplace is a field. It's a spiritual field. Your family is a spiritual field. And you are the farmer. You are the harvester. You're the ambassador. You're the one responsible. Christ has not sent someone else. Christ has sent you and I to the world around us. Who likes new stuff? I love new stuff. The thing I love the most is the smell. It's so good. I just realized I preached about bad smells a couple of weeks ago. How funny is that? Well, good smells this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You ever opened up a brand new book and just taken a deep breath? Who's done that? Be honest, hands up. You're missing out, my friends. Get yourself a brand new book, preferably the Bible, if you can. If you need a new Bible, go to Kurong, get online, get it shipped out, or just any brand new book. Like, just go into Dimmick's at Westfield and just sniff a book. Like, open the pages, pretend you're really getting close to look at something. Like, maybe look around first to make sure no one's watching and just... Like freshly printed paper that has been pressed, closed, bound, and not opened. Look for a book that no one else, like find the most weird book. No one else would have opened it yet. Just breathe it in. New smells, so good. New shoe smells, new car smells, new couch smells, so good. What about other stuff like shiny stuff like phones, jumping back to cars, stuff like that? Like, I know this is a natural thing to do. When you get something new, you look after it, like really well. It's like no food on the couch, and then it's like, you know, months go by, it's food on the couch. Like, you know, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, we had new uh, carpet uh, in one of our churches, no coffees in the auditorium, no food in the auditorium. Well, first Friday night, that one went out the door, didn't it? <laughs> Good old youth group, let's go, come on, and seniors, Wednesday morning, cups of teas, bickies, and stuff like that. It's like, it never lasts long, does it? Like, feet on the couch, like the new car, like, you know, you're not allowed to eat in my car, and then, like, on the way to work, like, in a couple of weeks, you're starving, and you're, like, eating breakfast, and drinking coffee, and you spill it, and you get the little wipies out, and, like, you try and keep stuff new as long as you can. Who leaves the screen protector on their phone for, like, way too long? I do. It's like, man, I've got the front on, I've got the rim still on, I've got the back on. I was like, it's so nice. And then, like, this is cool. You get to rip off the screen protector after a little bit. It's like brand new again. It's like double new. It's so cool. But it always changes. It always lessens. The effect of that new thing lessens. I hope, though, that our relationship with Jesus, the newness, never lessens. Because he is always new. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. His mercies are new every morning. Remind yourself, church, every morning of His mercies, of His love, of His grace towards you. You remind yourself of something like that in the morning, I can almost guarantee it, that you will have a much better day. 
because you'll be thinking about all of the mercy that he has extended toward you, and it will help you get through so much in your day. His mercies are new every morning, and Jesus never changes. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Who he was is who he is, and it's who he always will be. He will always be good for you and I. And so I want to ask you this morning another question. Will you share what you have received, or will you hold that newness in for yourself? Because come on, church, we need to take Jesus to the end. We need to take Jesus into every day, into every week, every month, every year, until the ends of the earth. It is the responsibility of you and I, the church of Jesus, to extend that newness, to pass out the gift that you and I have received. The Harvest is Ready Church has been ready for 2,000 years. It was ready when Jesus said it was ready, and it's still ready today. And there was a command that God initiated, the very first command in the Bible. The very first command to humanity was to be fruitful and to multiply. To be fruitful and to multiply. The intention of God has never changed for his creation. From the first Adam to the second Adam. From Adam made by God into the second Adam, again made by God, Jesus Christ. He came with the same command to be fruitful and to multiply. God's desire is intimate relationship with humanity. God's desire is to have the fullness of communion with humanity. Come on, who knows God intends for us to be fruitful. The gifts were given to us to be fruitful with, and not just a little bit, but, but multiplication in our lives. Let's read this together. The first command, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 to 28. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Well, the married people said, amen. Come on, that's a commandment from God. That's a good commandment. Amen. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Be fruitful and multiply, a gift from God. It's a beautiful thing. I hate that the world has overruled something as powerful as sex and something as beautiful, something God-given to keep two people together for life, something that makes a, a man and his wife want to keep going back for more and more, to keep them close, to keep them in unity, in harmony, to be fruitful and multiply. There's a purpose to it. Children are a blessing from the law. Jesus came as the second Adam, and he commands us to be fruitful and to multiply. Not just physical children, but spiritual children. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What do parents do for their children? They birth them, they raise them, they train them, they love them, and they release them. And hopefully that they will do it again and again, the multiplication factor. It is God designed for you and I to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth and not just the earth. See, that was a commandment that was made before the fall of man, to fill the earth with human beings 
And God has sent the second Adam down to reconcile man back to him so that the same commandment can happen to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth, the new earth, the new heavens and the earth, eternity. Why did Jesus hang on the cross? Why did Jesus die for the sins of the world? Why did Jesus deliver us from the evil one? There was purpose to our freedom. There is purpose to what God did for us. Come on, you are sons and daughters, the King of kings, the Most High, the Holy One, our Heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. We're not called to live our lives in freedom for ourselves, to conquer and to create kingdoms that we rule in and that we rule over and that for, our, uh, for us, for me and for mine. You and I have been created for so much more than this. Love God, love others. This is our mandate. To love God and to love others. It's your mission statement. It's your calling. We must be fruitful. The focus on our lives must not be stuff. Stuff is okay, but it can't be the most important thing in our life. Souls. Souls over stuff. Souls, John 15 verse 8, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I love that Jesus would always tell stories to illustrate his points. I love that Jesus always would unpack a powerful moment with a story. And we're going to read one just now to put this into context with what Jesus is expecting of us, what He is requiring of you and I. Matthew chapter 25, it's the parable of the three servants. Let me read this to you. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. The servant who had received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, and so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know that there was a difference of the original investment from God to those two people, but it was the same percentage of increase that they were able to do with what they had received from God, and both were awarded with the exact same reward. 
The third was different. The servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They are harsh words spoken by a loving God toward his servants. You see, the third servant didn't really know who God was. Master, I knew you. No, you didn't. Because it doesn't matter if if God is receiving back from the harvest if we don't think he deserves it, because it is all from him, by him, because of him, and it's all going to be his anyway. The third servant didn't know who God was, didn't understand him, didn't have relationship with God. The master said, at least you could have put it in the bank. At least you could have gone to church. At least you could have filled an empty chair so that it created a crowd atmosphere to encourage all of those others that served that day and invested that day. And it would have earned some interest because you being in the room would have encouraged someone else to be in the room. Even with what little you could have done, even with the smallest of amount, you would have done more than what you have done. He would have received, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Enter into the promised land. Let's celebrate together. The guy hanging on the cross did nothing and made it into paradise. But Jesus doesn't want us to just do a little. The one could have been turned into two. Just because two was turned into five and five into ten or two to four, And five to ten, the one could have been turned into two, but the one was given back with no increase, no fruit, no multiplication, no reward for the investment, no reward for the investment of Jesus. Let me illustrate it like this for you with some math this morning. What if if our church here, Emerge Morayfield... We're regularly seeing, with our kids at the moment, about 200 people coming on a Sunday. There's about 250 on our books that regularly attend at least once a month. And then there's our youth ministry on Friday, regularly getting about 50 young people now on Friday night. Just imagine if you could shepherd just one person, just one. Just one. One person. Not the whole world, just one. We could turn 200 here right now into 400 very quickly. Can you imagine the possibility? Can you imagine the possibilities? 
With multiplication, it increases so quickly. Imagine if you could influence three people over this year or next year. One turns to three, three to nine, nine to 27, 27 to 81, 81 to 243, 243 to 729. You introduce someone to Jesus, they fall in love with Jesus, you baptize them, you teach them the commandments and they go and do the same thing. They find another three. This is a multiplier of only three people. 729 turns into 2,187, 2,187 turns into 6,561, 6,561 turns into 19,683, 19,683 turns into 59,049 and that's just at a power of 10 multiplied. Just 10 times. Imagine the possibilities, imagine the potential for the church. Let me illustrate it like this. Can I just get one person to, to stand, please? Jess, would you stand this morning for me? Wonderful. Wonderful. Could you touch? Don't touch, actually. Three people around, Jess, just stand to your feet. One, two, one more, three. Wonderful. Look at this, souls being saved already. Souls being saved. People coming to church. Can, a, can another three people please stand? One, two, three. Great. Another three. One, two, three. Wonderful. Three more. One, two, three. Great. Stop there. More stories being changed. Family history being rewritten. Freedom coming in. Three people have spoken to three people to achieve this. Can I, have, can I have three more people stand? One, two, three, another three. 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 One, two, three. Stop. Nine to twenty-seven. Starts to build, doesn't it? 27 to, to 81. Come on, why don't, why don't half the auditorium stand? This half, just this half. Because most of this is already standing. You think about this, 81. And if all of you guys, even if you didn't speak to three, you just spoke to one person, can this side now stand? Because they just spoke to you and invited you to come and experience the house of God. Can you imagine 81 to 243? Now we've got some car park issues, we've got some chair issues, we've got some kids' facilities issues, we've got some cafe issues, awning issues. This is where it gets incredible. Because this number right now, 243, with just three people, is 729. Multiple services, my friends. Multiple services here in Moorefield. Multiple services. Come on, 9 o'clock in the morning, 11 o'clock, 5 o'clock. We'll do whatever we need to do so that the church can continue to grow. Imagine this, 729 to 2,187. There's our master's building right there. There's this place out the door. And the biggest building on Moorefield Road is the house of God. A statement to this region. Amen? Come on, you guys can take your seats.
We're not starting with one person, though. It doesn't even need to take that long. We can start with the entire congregation. Can you imagine the potential? Even if we don't talk to three people, even if we just talk to one person, check this out. One person, each of us, though, if we all, there's probably 150 in the room right now, hazarding a guess. One person turns into 300 people. There's an army of laborers to achieve something in Morayfield. If they just talk to one person, if we take five years to achieve this, first year we double, 300 to 600. Second year we go from 300 to 600. Well, I said it before, there's multiple services for Emerge Morayfield. There's a whole lot of opportunity for ministry and outreach. 600 to 1,200. 1,200 just by 600 people saying hello to one person taking 12 months, 365 days of their year to invite one person into relationship with Jesus Christ. That gives us influencing power in this region. That makes the enemy start to shiver and quake when the church wakes up every day of the week because of what we are achieving. The enemy losing his grip on our family. The enemy losing his grip on our friends. 1,200, year four, they commit to talking to one person. That's 2,400 people. We would not only have this entire property, but we would need the building of masters to be ours. 2,400 people with, with the church of 1,200 just talking to one person that year. One more year, one more person. One more year, Jesus, I can do it for you. One more year, one more person. Year five, 2,400 to 4,800. There's some revival taking place. There is some revival taking place. There's some futures being changed forever. Come on, there's some stories being influenced by the King of Kings. World influence for Jesus. And that's just one person for five years. It just takes the church to commit to introducing one person to Jesus. Once a year for five years. With the church our size, we can see 4,800 people in five years. Come on, Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the church. The church is the answer. Jesus started the church. The church has always been the answer, and it is the answer still to this day because Jesus said it was, upon the rock, upon this rock, upon this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against us. Come on, there is sin out here that is prevailing. There are issues and strongholds and principalities and powers of darkness, but they will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. This is his answer to the issues of the world until he returns. He's not coming back until the whole world hears, my friends. He said it himself. Matthew chapter 24, he said, Once the gospel is preached to all the world, only then will the end begin. It's not returning until every human being has been introduced to Jesus. It doesn't matter if they don't accept your invitation, it's up to us to invite. Tell the person next to you, I'm glad you're in church with me. Now imagine if they weren't here. Imagine if that loved one that you just smiled to 
wasn't here today. Imagine if they weren't just not here. Imagine if they didn't have a relationship with Jesus in their life. You know them, you love them, you cry for them. I know you do, you pray for them. You and I are believing for people in our family to come to church, but it's not just our family, it is so much more. You and I are called until the whole world hears. It's our responsibility, it's our mandate. Our great commission is to invite them to go into all the world and to tell them about Jesus. Jesus said, if they accept you, bless them. If they reject you, shake the dust off your feet move on. Go and tell someone else. Just because that apple's not ripe enough to be picked yet doesn't mean that you can't reach out and pick another apple. If you want to catch a fish, you have to cast a line. You have to cast a net. You will never catch a fish if you stop casting. Church, let's keep inviting. Let's have a culture of invitation in this house. Let's encourage one another with invitation. And when you hear of someone inviting someone, champion them, encourage them, and pray for them. Because it can get disheartening when that invitation is not accepted. But can I tell you, just reach out around you. Jesus did it himself. He sent his people out for his wedding feast. And he says, go and invite all of these people to my wedding. So many people had excuses why they didn't need God or why they didn't want to come to his feast or why they didn't want this or that. And Jesus said, fine, go into the highways and the byways. Go anywhere you can and find human beings to invite them to the wedding feast because it's his bride church. We are his bride. He loves us no matter what. Come on, remember who you were inviting them to meet. You were inviting them to Jesus. You're inviting them to emerge church. Just remember who you are inviting people to meet. Remember who you are truly introducing people to. It's not Emerge Church Morayfield. It is Jesus Christ. You can be confident in Jesus. When they walk through the front door, you can be confident that the Holy Spirit right there is actively working to convict them of their sin and to draw them into relationship with Jesus. That part's not up to you. But it is up to you and I to get them here, to do the inviting. Maybe you can't even get them to the church building, but you can get them to your home. You can get them to a cafe and you can start to share your story with that person. Come on, it's Jesus that you are representing. Now, I I think about different parts of the Bible where Jesus engaged with people. Like the... The prostitute, Mary, coming in and washing his feet, pouring out a year's wage of perfume over his feet, washing his feet and drying them with her hair. So used to being taken advantage of and being abused by the society around her, her identity and value so diminished, but she saw that Jesus was the answer. And Jesus allowed that to take place at a dinner table with Pharisees and religious rulers, with the disciples, allowing a woman to wash his feet. Come on, I'm pretty sure that if you were Jesus in that moment, you might have been just a little bit uncomfortable with what was going on. But Jesus was so in love with people. He is so in love with people. 
willing to dine with notorious sinners, willing to go to their homes, to go to the home of the most hated tax collector, to bring life and love and light and freedom, and to not care about the opinions or what was being said of him, but rather responding to those issues. Jesus had a culture, a kingdom culture that he was representing to you and I. That's the Jesus that you are introducing your friends to. They will love that Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Come on, we've got to represent him. We want to have a church, a family that people want to be a part of. A place of love and freedom and discipleship. But Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. There's a whole world around us that does not know the goodness of being a child of God. The empty chair. It's not just an opportunity, there's potential in the empty chair. The future brother, the future sister, future business partner, future colleague, a future employer, future evangelist, future musician and future kids worker, future youth worker, future friend, future four-wheel drive buddy, future tennis player. Future husband, future wife. There is so much potential wrapped up in every empty chair. So much to be realized with every empty chair. Endless opportunities. The next person to take social media by storm for Jesus. The next person to raise a billion dollars for the kingdom of God. And to see churches planted all around the world. The next person to run something here in Morayfield to see opportunity for young people to, to gain employment or to gain freedom from issues. The next person who can counsel people in the ways of God. The next life group leader. Every chair has unlimited potential and possibilities when we fill that empty chair. Come on, we need to burn with passion for the empty chairs in our life. With Jesus inside of them, just imagine what their life could look like. With Jesus running alongside of them, just imagine what their life would look like when you are introducing someone, when you're inviting someone, it is Jesus that is the answer. You know, almost, almost 11 years ago now, I came to... Emerge Church. And I came because we had a family tragedy. My younger brother had passed away from a sudden sickness three weeks before his 21st birthday. And my mum and dad needed a place to hold the funeral, and some of you would know this. Pastor Mark was suggested to us, and they loved us, put on a, a service for us for free. Had staff there, and put on morning tea and just did what you and I do. They opened up their, their church and they loved us as a family in, in an hour of need. Almost 11 years on, 
I've planted a church for them. One of my sisters is Pastor Mark's PA. A couple of my other sisters are leaders. All of my brothers serve. Everyone's serving and leading in a department. Some of them have already found someone to, to marry and do life with, and now they've got their own kids. My older brother, two little, two little girls, Sarah and Hannah. Mum and dad finding new friends and new life and new passion. So much potential was wrapped up in our family. And we came and we were invited and we were encouraged and we were loved. We filled some empty chairs in a church, Albany Hills Christian Church, 1 Cooperoo Road, Warner. So much potential in every person, so much potential in every family, so much potential in every empty chair. We're not called to be complacent consumer Christians, my friends. We're called to be leaders of a lost world. Come on, you shepherds, you're the head, you're not the tail. You have power inside of you. You have the light of Christ. Let it out. What will you do for the empty chair? If you're an employee here, can I encourage you? Be the light. If you're a boss, be a father. If you're an owner, be an opportunity. Ask God to bless your business so that you can fund the next mission trip, fund the expansion of his house. If you're a mother in the house, be the encourager you are. If you're a father in the house, be the example that you are. Come on, whenever you enter into someone's life, Jesus goes with you. Whenever you walk around, Jesus goes with you. Let him see him. Let him see him in your life. Thank you.